0: Lance, are you there?
1: I'm here. Is this Mary?
0: It is. It's so nice to talk to you. I called up Lance Williams at the Center for Investigative Reporting because I wanted to ask about the first time he'd heard this name, David Bernhardt. Turns out it was a couple years ago.
1: It was a voicemail from a guy uh, I've known a long time around water issues in California. And it really was, you've got to call me, you've got to look at these emails we have, They're really interesting. They concern this guy is about to be the number two man at Interior.
0: David Bernhardt was a lobbyist for the oil and gas industry, for agribusiness, too. He was about to become the second in command at the Department of the Interior. And a source was giving Lance these emails exchanged by business executives, legislators, and Bernhardt. And these emails, they were revealing.
1: He had told the Senate he had ceased lobbying But the emails showed that he was continuing to work for these guys for months after the date where he said he had stopped writing parts of a California water bill that the House passed back in 16. It was just a great glimpse into how environmental policies and water development policies get made in Washington.
0: And how they sort of flow from industry to government and back again. Yeah. Yeah. Lance likes this story because it shows how lobbyists do their work, especially really good lobbyists like David Bernhardt. Great lobbyists are students of bureaucracy. And Bernhardt, he was almost monkish in his devotion. He might be a better lawmaker than the lawmakers.
1: See, it was astounding to me that he was writing the Endangered Species Act provisions into a, you know, an act of Congress and getting thank you notes from staffers on for lawmakers, because they couldn't have done it themselves. Too technical.
0: Lance started thinking about David Bernhardt again over the last week, as the Senate considered him for a promotion to Secretary of the Interior. In that role, he'd be overseeing about one-fifth of the land in the United States. And he'd be in charge of things that happen on that land, like federal dams that control water flow and the federal permits that allow oil drilling. Bernhardt, the consummate lobbyist, won the Senate over. How many days later did the inspector general open up an investigation into him?
1: Well, I think it was his first day at work. He was confirmed on Thursday, and by Monday, the uh, IG was after him.
0: Investigations are nothing new in the Trump administration. Nothing new at the Department of the Interior, either. The last person to lead the department, Ryan Zinke, he's still being investigated. But Ryan Zinke was a different kind of leader, flashier, but not as substantive. He showed up to work on his first day riding a horse. He installed a Big Buck Hunter video game in the employee cafeteria. David Bernhardt is a Washington insider, takes a lot of notes. He's the kind of guy who can take the Trump administration agenda and really run with it. And Lance says that's why it's worth paying attention to him. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stay with us. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So I read this one quote about David Bernhardt, someone saying this guy is the deep state. What what does that mean?
1: Mr. Bernhardt's uh, a really good bureaucratic operator, really knows how the law and the regulations work, and he seems quite devoted to President Trump's agenda of minimizing or eliminating regulations on energy development, fracking, drilling, you name it, on public lands.
0: Yeah, he actually told the Washington Post, like, my views on this are irrelevant. The only thing that matters is the president.
1: Well, that's the right thing to say. I think his views and the president's are perfectly aligned.
0: And he's been at the Department of Interior for a little while now. He's kind of been the power behind the secretary before assuming the secretaryship himself, right?
1: In two years, uh, he's been the man in terms of crafting regulations and uh, making the department work. Zinke was a figurehead and not a very effective one in the view of many.
0: But he's also been part of this revolving door. Like, he's been at the Department of Interior. He's worked on the Hill. But David Bernhardt has also gone back and forth from being inside the government to working as a lobbyist. Who was he lobbying for?
1: In his last iteration as lobbyist, his uh, client list included about 40 companies that had issues deeply affecting their financial bottom lines, issues with the Interior Department. So he was lobbying or doing legal work for oil companies, ag concerns, mining interests, all these entities that needed relief uh, from interior regulations. Now, in his current job, he's in a situation where he can give that relief to his former clients.
0: So tell me about one or two of these clients. Like, what do they want from the Department of the Interior? And what are their interests?
1: Well, his oil clients want to be able to drill for oil, not pay very much for it, and not face environmental cleanup costs. And in major ways, Interior has uh, uh, obliged them. We've withdrawn rules that uh, were forcing these guys not to burn off or simply release into the atmosphere clouds of methane that is often uh, uh, created when you're drilling for oil. The oil developers don't have to engage in environmental restoration projects as a cost of permitting, which is a very routine requirement that uh, suddenly is off the table. And there's a 40-plus-year-old set of regulations aimed at eliminating mass killings of migratory birds because of energy development. Those regs are gone, too. So Mr. Bernhardt and Zinke and the Interior Department have carried out Trump's orders to a T in that regard.
0: All of these regulations went away in the last couple of years?
1: Yes. They all went away since the election and since this crew went in at Interior. I mean, some of this stuff, of course, is being litigated by environmental groups, but that's the state of play now.
0: What's really stunning is some of your reporting, where you've been able to show just how giddy the oil industry was to have someone like David Bernhardt in the Department of Interior. You found this recording from a meetup in California. Can you tell me a little bit more about it?
1: Yeah, it was a convention of the Independent Petroleum Association, uh, which is uh, mostly smaller oil developers. At their meeting in 2017, at a time when Mr. Bernhardt, who had been their lawyer, had just been nominated, named to be number two at Interior, the uh, head of political operations for the group and its executive director were just bragging about how tight they were with Mr. Bernhardt and how effective he would be on their behalf in his new role.
0: My favorite fact about David Bernhardt is that he carries around a little like credit card with the list of clients on it so that he knows who his conflicts of interest are and he can remind himself. He like has so many conflicts of interest, he has to keep track of them in some way so he doesn't stumble into some trouble.
1: Well, the recusal rules are fairly flexible at Interior, but he is supposed to be recusing himself when he's uh, doing business there. He has, as I say, about 40 former clients that I know of, that have business at interior, want stuff at interior. He's not supposed to participate in decisions that directly affect them. However, he has claimed the right to work on regulatory issues that affect oh an entire industry, so even if he has represented big growers, he can still, in his view, work on plans to get more federal irrigation water for growers at the expense of uh, fish runs and uh, other environmental needs, he can do that, he says, uh, even if it does benefit his old clients, as long as they aren't individually benefited. So perhaps the recusals are, don't have that much uh, edge to them.
0: That's so interesting. So it's like he's claiming, as long as I'm not working with the very specific companies I worked for, I can still work on the broader issue.
1: And, and that's what he has done.
0: Yeah, I read the figure that there have been 15 times he's made decisions favorable to some of his former clients, but it made me wonder how that compared to previous administrations.
1: Well, 15 is somebody's estimate, and it might be quite low. I I think what's remarkable is the extent to which they are willing to throw over some fairly basic environmental protections that have been on the books for some time, Bernhardt's uh, credit. He didn't come up with this himself. President Trump came up with this. But it is sweeping and really interesting the extent to which rules that have been on the books for a long time, procedures you had to follow for a long time, are suddenly just gone. Like what? I think the, the one to look at is the migratory bird protections. Oil spills can take thousands of birds, out in the heartland in a single incident. And there's been for 40 years rules that if you accidentally, I mean, you know, not intentionally killing birds, but if because of the way you're conducting your business out there in the oil patch, there's a bird kill, you're on the hook for it. This is a a law, it's a treaty we agreed to with three other nations to protect migratory birds, but it's been reinterpreted by the new legal team at Interior. And it's the regulations that uh, require protection for bird life have just been rescinded.
0: It's interesting. You're laying out this very elegant rollback where things are no longer being enforced, but we're not necessarily seeing them. No one's passing a law. No one's holding a press conference. It's just these individual decisions at the agency level that you're saying have big impacts.
1: Right, and they don't uh, come to the attention necessarily of the general public, but if you're in the oil industry, you're whooping and hollering because this is a big deal. This takes away a a big financial concern.
0: This low-key rollback of industry regulation All this happened while David Bernhardt was still the deputy secretary at the Department of the Interior. So when he was nominated to take over as the head of the agency, activists pulled out all the stops to try to make people take notice. What I love about the David Bernhardt story is that people worked really hard to get attention for him being being sworn in and being approved by the Senate. Like, there were people at his confirmation hearing wearing swamp monster masks?
1: (laughs) There was. I mean, it's a hilarious little bit of video. There's a woman sitting in the gallery directly behind Mr. Bernhardt. She looks to her right and she looks to her left and then she pulls this green hood out and puts it on herself and there she is, a swamp thing. And then she just... (laughs) sits there quietly until I think they finally did remove her, but she didn't make any fuss. She was just sitting there very quietly watching through the slit holes in her hood.
0: And then Ed Markey got up and he had like a wheel of fortune when (laughs) the confirmation was going on, where he was spinning the wheel and showing all of the different interests that David Bernhardt had, whether it was oil or gas or the agricultural industry. But none of it seemed to make a difference.
1: Well, they didn't get much traction. No Republican was going to go against him. And if you're Senator Murkowski of Alaska, this is a guy who will do his darndest to open up the uh, Arctic Wildlife Refuge for oil development. And that'll be a big financial boost for your state. So you're pleased with him.
0: Even some Democrats went for Bernhardt, like Joe Manchin.
1: Manchin, of course, is from West Virginia. It's a the energy industry is important to their economy, and it's a, probably not possible to go against the Interior nominee on environmental grounds in that political climate.
0: So David Bernhardt gets the job. He's running the Department of the Interior. Like a day or two later, an investigation is announced into him. Does that investigation matter?
1: Well, it's it's not a good look to have seven different ethics complaints coming down the pike the first day on the job.
0: Is that how many there were? Seven?
1: Yeah. Of the seven complaints, we know that one involves the allegation that he uh, suppressed data on the effect of toxic pesticides on certain endangered species. That's one.
0: So these these investigations are being done by the inspector general. It sounds like Congress also has questions for David Bernhardt. But does any of that stuff matter if the folks in the Senate won't take a hard vote?
1: Well, I think it matters depending on the findings and depending on what he's done. Pruitt and Zinke looked bulletproof going in, but both lost their jobs because of ethics concerns. So there is, there is a, uh, an ethical issue that can be raised that can actually cost an official his position. It just depends on the facts.
0: Scott Pruitt's the former head of the EPA, and Ryan Zinke, the former head of the Department of
1: Interior. Right, and they were also considered big friends of the energy and other extractive industries that are players on public lands.
0: Have you ever met David Bernhardt?
1: I- I've never had the pleasure.
0: What w- What would you ask him if you had him in front of you?
1: Oh, I'd like to have a conversation with him about the part of being a steward of the public lands that is supposed to be part of his job description. I'd really like to hear him talk at some length about how he feels that deregulating development on the public lands is consistent with conserving them.
0: Lance, thank you so much for taking so much time to sort of explain all this to me.
1: Thanks for spending all the time. You bet.
0: Lance Williams is a senior reporter for Reveal and the Center for Investigative Reporting. He focuses on money and politics. And before we go, one last little rabbit hole I jumped down. The Mueller report drops today. 400 pages, though who knows how much is going to be redacted. It is a lot to wade through, especially on a Thursday when you are probably at work and you might be preparing to celebrate a holiday this weekend. I wanted some shortcuts. So I asked the folks who I work with, once you get your hands on this thing, what is the very first phrase you'll be looking for? If the Mueller report is searchable, what's the first keyword that you'll control F?
2: I'm Dahlia Lithwick, and I cover the courts for Slate. And I'm going to be control Fing. Don McGahn. I am super interested in the former White House counsel, in in no small part because I'm reading that he's really freaking out about what um, he's going to be tagged for. The New York Times had reported that he cooperated a lot with the probe and is extremely worried that he's on the hook for things that he disclosed. And I guess I'm extremely interested because the part of this that is obstruction, which is the part that I'm really honing in on, it sure looks as though McGann had been asked to do things like, oh, fire people and cover things up. And so I'm very, very interested in if it's in fact true that, for instance, Trump wanted McGahn to fire Mueller and McGahn had to talk him down. I, I want to know about that. And so I think when I control F this sucker, I'm going to be looking for Don McGahn.
3: I'm Jeremy Stahl, I'm a senior editor at Slate, and the first thing I'm going to control F when I get my hands on the Mueller report is Jim Comey. And the reason that I'm gonna look for James Comey is because the stuff that we're likely to get most of in this report is on the issue and the question of potential obstruction of justice by the President of the United States, and the central question of obstruction of justice in this case is going to center around the episode of James Comey's firing and how everything before and after that played out. All of the details of all of Comey's interactions with Trump and what other evidence Mueller was able to gather around those episodes will play a central role in where this goes forward next, whether or not there will be a possibility for Congress to find potential obstruction of justice on the president's behalf, And that's why I will CTRLF Jim Comey first thing.
0: I should say this whole question was inspired by Slate contributor Rick Hassan. A Twitter follower asked him what he would control F for, and he said Jr., as in Donald Trump Jr. As for me, I'm going to be looking for the executive summary, but then I'm probably going to end up reading the whole thing anyway. All right. That's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Anna Martin. If you like what we're doing, go on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. It helps people find us. And it also feeds Apple's algorithm, helps bump us up the charts. Do it. All right. Talk to you tomorrow.